0: Welcome to Clinical Neurology Podcast, where you will learn over 12 episodes, how to localize a lesion in neurology based on history taking and physical examination. The podcast is meant for medical students and to make them enjoy learning neurology. Medicine, pediatrics, psychiatry, critical care, neurology residents, general practitioners and nurse practitioners will find it beneficial. Study materials and clinical resources for the podcast are available in show description and at neurologyteachingclub.com website. I am your host Dr. Krishnadas N.C. and let's get started. The history is the story that the physician composes to help himself and others understand the patient's disease. This is how Sapira describes a medical history. As in other medical specialties, in Neurology, the history is the critical and important first step to correct diagnosis. In majority of cases, a good history gives the correct diagnosis. Physical examination and investigation often confirm the diagnosis we arrive from history. According to a study conducted by Peterson et al. in 1992, in 76% of patients, the history led to final diagnosis. In 12% the physical examination and in 11% laboratory findings help to clinch the final diagnosis. This shows that even in this age of hi-fi investigations, the old art of history taking is holding its fort. The critical skill required in taking a good history is to be a good listener. Make the patient comfortable, gain their confidence and then just listen to them. Remember that the medical interview is not just a data gathering process but an important step in building a therapeutic relationship with the patient. The doctor's tone, body language and demeanor make lasting impression on the patient. The patient evaluates the doctor as the doctor is evaluating the patient. Many a times, students complain that patient is not giving a proper history. Remember, hopeless historian is as much a comment on the doctor. Getting the history out of a difficult patient is a skill by itself and is as important as our clinical and diagnostic skills. The most important person in the room is the patient. Lean towards the patient, make eye contact, ask an open-ended question and allow yourself to get lost in patient's story. A neurological diagnosis consists of four parts, functional deficit, anatomical localization, etiology. And comorbidities. Our aim is to get all four components of diagnosis from history. Functional deficit is the deficit patient is having, for example hemiplegia or paraplegia. Anatomical localization is where in the neuraxis is the lesion to produce the functional deficit. For example in a hemiplegia case whether the lesion is in opposite cortex, corona radiata, internal capsule or brainstem. Etiology is what is the cause of lesion in anatomical site. Example, stroke or demyelination or tumour. The clue to etiology is often obtained from history of past illness. For example, somebody with atrial fibrillation or rheumatic heart disease presenting with hemiplegia. The history of past illness helps to suspect embolic stroke. While presenting case, it is always better to stick on to the classic teaching and headings as most examiners like it that way. The first step in history taking is collecting the patient's detail. This includes name, age, sex, married or unmarried, right or left-handed person, educational status of the patient, occupation, history given by patient himself or relative. If relative is giving the history, is it reliable or not? Is he or she living with the patient and knows the temporal course of progression of disease? If that is not the case, it should be recorded in the case sheet. Presenting Complaint Only the most important symptoms need to be put as presenting complaint. Ideally, two or three in chronological order. Some prefer to opt for a single chief presenting complaint. Either way is fine as long as you are going to describe all symptoms in chronological order in history of present illness. Remember, our provisional diagnosis is going to be based on history of present illness. So very important to decide what is to be told in presenting complaints and history of present illness and what is to be told in history of past illness. In history of past illness we cannot describe the symptom in that much detail as in history of present illness. It is the presenter's discretion to decide what is in presenting complaint and what is to be told in history of past illness. It's always better To discuss the main neurological issue has history of present illness and whatever else prior to it fall in history of past illness. For example, patient with ataxia of 6 months presenting with diarrhea of 1 week duration. It's better to put ataxia as a presenting complaint along with diarrhea as this is the main problem we must solve from a neurological perspective. And we need to describe that symptom in detail. History of present illness. This is the body of our history. When someone hears the history of present illness, they should feel like a flashback video of patient running in front of them. No history of present illness is too long. The more vivid and descriptive it is, the better. There is an art and science to it. The art is the storytelling part and science is how completely you analyze a symptom. Personally, I don't mind making the art part a little better even at the cost of a bit of science. Facts are true statements and information consists of facts arranged in a useful manner. Make sure your history is filled with information rather than a collection of facts. You recreate the event that happened as if it is a movie or a novel. A good history immediately tells you the caliber of the student. Medical students just starting their clinical posting should always remember two basic things while taking history. One, Never use medical terms, example hemiplegia, hypertonia. According to Sir William Osler, you must use the patient's own words. History is his story. Patient is not aware of medical jargons and they should never creep into your history. The second is, just describe the event or symptoms. Never tell your own or patient's interpretation while telling history. For example, a patient may be having slipping of chappals from leg, which the patient interprets as weakness when it was due to sensory problem. So we need to describe the symptom slipping of chappal and not the patient's interpretation weakness which can be wrong. Many silly mistakes can be avoided if we take care of this point. It is always good to start with the premorbid functional status of the patient. It gives a good benchmark to analyze the progression of disease. For example, in a patient presenting with progressive weakness of all four limbs of one week duration, if we start with the patient was apparently asymptomatic until one week back when he used to go to his workplace one kilometer away walking, immediately tells you that he had no significant pre com- motor problem, and if he cannot walk without support now, helps us to easily understand the gravity of problem and rapidity of progression of the disease. Take each symptom in the presenting complaint and analyze it thoroughly in all its dimension so that we can come to an interpretation reasonably if the patient presented with headache ask if it was abrupt onset or slowly evolved the location of headache the character duration and severity was it associated with aura vomiting photophobia or phonophobia what were the aggravating and relieving factors was it disturbing sleep were there any associate features like nasal stiffness or conjunctival congestion Write a paragraph about each symptom. Students who have just started their clinical posting can carry a notebook containing all the questions to be asked about a symptom, covering all its dimensions. When you keep doing this for some time, you will no longer require the book and these questions pertaining to any symptom will naturally come to you. By carefully analyzing each symptom, we can also reach the anatomical localization of that symptom as well. For example, If the patient is having diplopia, you must ask if it's present on closing one eye. Are the images horizontally or vertically separated, and in which direction it is seen maximum, and whether it's more on near or far vision? A binocular diplopia with horizontally separated images, more on looking to left, suggests a left lateral rectus palsy. Thus, by properly analyzing the symptom of diplopia, we can come to neurological localization of the symptom. Analyze each symptom and make a timeline. This helps to have an idea of the chronological onset of symptoms and helps to find the differentials, especially if the patient has multiple symptoms. This is how we change the facts in our story to information. Once each symptom is elaborated, it's a good idea to tell all the negative history. This makes sure you don't miss any history that patient forgets to come up with. It's always better to ask it in the order of examination so that you also don't forget to ask all symptoms. Higher function histories include seizures, loss of consciousness, disorientation, memory impairment, delusion, hallucinations, slurring of speech, difficulty in comprehension and word output. Cranial nerve histories include decreased smell, parosmias, decreased vision, bumping onto objects on one side, tosis, diplopia, squint, osylopsia, paresthesia of face, difficulty in chewing, difficulty in eye closure, facial deviation, swallowing difficulty, nasal regurgitation, tracheal aspiration, difficulty in turning neck and difficulty in maneuvering foot in mouth. Motor system history include wasting, tipping over fine obstacles, heaviness of limbs, difficulty in getting up from squatting, slipping off chappals, difficulty raising arm overhead, difficulty making bolus of foot, difficulty getting up from lying down position, walking difficulty, fasciculations and other involuntary movements. Sensory system history includes positive or negative sensory symptoms including paresthesias, numbness, painless burns and tendency to fall while washing face. Cerebellar history includes swaying while walking, smearing of face while eating, tremor of hands and dysarthria. Autonomic nervous system history includes postural hypotension, bowel and bladder dysfunction, erectile dysfunction and excessive sweating. Skull spine history includes lower backache, neck pain, headache and vomiting. In the negative history, you can also include symptoms pertaining to other systems like cardiovascular, respiratory and gastrointestinal so that you don't miss the neurological manifestation of a systemic disease. The history of presenting illness ends with the current functional status of the patient and course in hospital after admission which may also give some important diagnostic clue. For example, patient presenting with quadriparisis improving with plasma exchange suggests a possible demyelinating disease like Guillain-Barre syndrome. History of past illness Any symptom or disease prior to what is discussed in presenting complaint and history of present illness will go into history of past illness. Many a time, students tend to mix history of past illness and presenting complaints. It's better avoided as many examiners don't take it in good spirits. It's always better to tell the past illness which might have a bearing on current illness before elaborating all the past illness the patient had. The history of past illness often gives a clue to the etiology of present illness. For example, a patient presenting with spastic quadriparisus, the past history of rheumatoid arthritis may be the only clue to an underlying atlantoaxial dislocation causing the spastic quadriparisus. It's always better to make a note on diabetes mellitus, hypertension, coronary artery disease, rheumatic heart disease, cerebrovascular disorders and dyslipidemia. Look for history of similar illness in the past, which can occur with multiple sclerosis, vasculitis, or stroke. Document any past history of trauma, surgery, malignancies, or collagen vascular disease. Ask for the past history of any infection, including tuberculosis, retroviral infection, COVID, or sexually transmitted disease. Finally, note immunization history, including any recent immunization. Personal history Make a note of sleep, bowel, bladder, appetite. Document any follies, including smoking. Alcohol, drugs, multiple unprotected sexual intercourse. Note the dietary history and if required, a full nutritional assessment should be done. Ministry history in females is very important and should be recorded properly. Drug history and allergy. Make a note of medications the patient is currently taking. Antipsychotics and levosalprite may be the cause of patient's Parkinsonism. Salbutamol may be the cause of patient's tremor. Levodopa may be the cause of patient's hallucination. Look for drug complaints and note if they are taking any indigenous medication. Stoppage of anti drugs or antiplatelets may be the cause of patients' seizures or stroke. Look for any drug allergy and document it according to hospital protocol. Family history. Ask for consanguinity or similar illness in family. Draw a family tree in relevant cases. Occupational history. Occupational health problems are rare these days due to better laws. Lead palsy in painters and nasopharyngeal carcinoma in furniture workers are some well documented neurological occupational health hazards. Socioeconomic status Document the socioeconomic status of the patient and family. Does the patient afford investigation? Will they take costly medicines? Should we choose cheaper alternatives even if it is not the drug of choice considering the low chance of compliance with costly medicines? These are important questions to answer, especially in low-resource setting and often consume our time and energy more than diagnosing the disease itself. This finishes the history taking. Before going into physical examination, it is always a good idea to ask the patient, is there anything else you want to tell me, followed by a long pause. Sometimes the patient may have not revealed some personal information which he may be holding back. Most of the time, they ventilate that with this question. They can also come up with some useful information which they might have thought trivial initially. Few things that should be avoided during history taking include repeatedly looking at clock, turning your body away from the patient, not looking up from the notes and not having eye contact with the patient, continuously interrupting the patient while he is talking and asking double questions. A double question is asking a second question before patient gives answer to the first. The patient usually gives answer to the second question only and often examiner also forget to ask the first question again. This finishes our first episode. Today, we discuss the importance of history taking in neurology, some salient tips in history taking and how to orderly go through the headings. For a medical student who is just starting his clinical posting, it's better to be rigid with these headings. Once you follow this set pattern in your formative years, it becomes a habit and you will subconsciously continue to do it while you become a consultant. It's nice to be a bit conservative with your history taking. Thanks for listening to Clinical Neurology Podcast. Kindly subscribe and review if you found it useful. You can follow Neurology Teaching Club Instagram account for exclusive figures of this podcast and visit our website neurologyteachingclub.com for more resources. The podcast and online content are meant for medical education only and should not be used to guide clinical decision making and treatment. You can find more of this podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast or wherever you get your ear candy. It's KD signing off and until we meet next time, spread knowledge.